The following is an at-will presentation. I rent a room in a house from a family, and I won't give the details of what it's like in the house, but they have cats. I love cats. I hate living with cats. Anyway, I have sort of my own separated bathroom from the rest of the house. My bathroom is where the fucking cat box is, and they never change it. And one day, one of the members of the house, the younger member, brought home two goddamn kittens. Now there are more cats in the house. I wanted to rid the house of the cat box, so I came up with this plan of having the cats use my shower as the toilet, after which I would clean it, flush and wash. I figured it would be easy. I ran it by everybody, nobody was happy with it. However, I taught one of the smarter kittens to use the shower already, and now I'm stuck with the cat box, and she can't, won't unlearn using the shower. That's the secret. They don't know that I taught them. I'm Ben Ham. And I'm Dahlia Beta. We're your hosts as we navigate the deep waters of humanity. And listen to the stories no one ever tells. You are entering the secret room. Hey guys, the audio quality isn't the best on this episode, but the story is worth it. I promise. Imagine you've got $5. That's it. You need clothes on your back and you need food. Which do you choose? What if you have someone else to feed? Do you steal the clothes and buy the food? Or do you buy a new shirt and slip some chips into your bag? Picture your house. After working all day for minimum wage, you can pay the rent, water, or electricity, but not all of it. What do you choose? Ivan had to make these very decisions in middle school. Spotlight rise on stage left. Ivan, the protagonist, is standing alone. Like I said, growing up, I was a piece of shit. I spent a lot of time doing things to people that I shouldn't be doing. I'm really good at dismantling relationships, people. Really good at uh, a bunch of different fuckery. This secret takes place in his hometown, at the school, in the house he shared with his mother, brother, and grandparents. Well, the area that I grew up in was a bit rough. Um, it was an ongoing joke that only like the library and the graveyard looked nice. Um, we lived next to train tracks, so you know, at every point in time of the night, that's all we'd hear going by. Um, it was really run down. We were a family of five, but the duplex that we stayed in had uh, one bedroom, one bathroom. And me, my mother, and my brother used to sleep on the floor in the living room, and my grandparents used to sleep in the bedroom but it was an okay area i guess i i think i was just very accustomed to it it was one rough neighborhood to another they were all relatively close the story that we're talking about today takes place at your school can you describe what your school was like my grandparents always tried to get me into the nice proper schools uh the school in question was actually a really really good school because we'd always been in bad neighborhoods, my grandmother had a few family members that lived in decent neighborhoods and even great neighborhoods. So they would take my address. Um, sometimes to make it believable, I'd go stay with the person in question for, you know, a few months even. And that's how I would end up in these schools. Did your brother go to school with you too? 
No, my brother's mentally challenged. He went to a specialized school. He went to a military school, so to speak, but they had a program in which they specialized with dealing with people with his issues. And your mom and your grandparents, did they work uh, most of the time? Like, were you at home alone? My mother is also mentally challenged. I grew up taking care of my brother and my mother. Uh, my grandparents used to work at four in the morning and um, my grandmother earlier, about 3.30 in the morning, she would cook, clean, so on and so forth, and um, have lunches out and ready, breakfast as well. My grandfather would get up around four, eat breakfast, shower, and then the two of them would, you know, uh, take the bus to work. I would wake my brother up and get him on the bus an hour beforehand, and my mother had somebody who would come from the church that my grandparents went to in order to take care of them. So around seven, for the most part, um, I was on the bus because school started from eight till around four. When I asked for clothes growing up, typically, my parents got me what I needed. That's not exactly what Ivan's grandfather did. My grandfather, as a joke, I don't think it was so much a joke, but as a lesson. So one day I asked him for like a Super Nintendo, right? And um, he, he gets me a lawnmower and a gas tank and a hat, and he tells me to go mow lawns. And I had to pay him back for all of that, too. And because I was such a vanity slave, I would spend what little money I had from mowing lawns and whatnot on purchasing clothes. And, you know, they were secondhand, but they looked good. A lot of it was from uh, the Goodwill stores and whatnot. And sometimes you would find people in the neighborhood who probably stole it from the sports authority across the street, and then they'd resell it. It was always, you know, easy to get clothes, but I just didn't want people to reflect on me. I was so, like, the embarrassment that I would feel, you know, whenever I would have to take the city bus home or something like that, because I was surrounded by people who had, you know, a lot of money. So back to my initial question. What do you do when you spent your lunch money on clothes to feel like you fit in? Ivan discovered rather than steal clothes, it would just be easier to take food from the cafeteria. You were able to get food from the health bar. I'm imagining it like my school growing up. It was like the lunch line was in kind of behind a wall sort of thing, like in the kitchen area. And then yeah. the health bar was like in the middle, further away, right? That's exactly it. The, the, the health bar was more towards the side. Imagine four big tables. And uh, that's where the, on the right side of the table was the health bar. And on the left side of the table was everything else. So it was super easy to just go over to the health bar because there was only one person watching the health bar where you go to the lunch line on the other hand the lunch line was packed with uh people attending you know your lunches you'd have one person that give you a tater tots on and so forth so i started stealing everything from the health bar um which was primarily salads and whatnot what was your favorite thing to get from there the grilled chicken salad mm. <laughs> <laughs> the grilled chicken salad if you got the crispy chicken salad, they put a lot less in it. Oh. Because the uh, chicken, um, or, or I guess because it's grilled, it's healthier. It was like they gave you like three more extra pieces. <laughs> I discovered that like midway through my first year. Ivan would sometimes hit up the health bar twice in one day, at least on the days when he had less observant or less involved teachers. And that extra food he'd take home to his family. The food that you collected extra you take it home to your brother and mother? So at home, it was really difficult. Uh, the area that we lived in, we like there's three major bills, I think. It was the rent, the water, and the electricity, right? It was always rent and water. Not so often electricity, so we couldn't buy anything that we would keep overnight, you know? 
my grandparents thought that I was getting all of this food from, uh, there was this dude from the corner store and I would go mow his lawn every so often, every week. They thought I got the food from there and that's what I would tell them, you know, you know he paid me in food, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, well, I'd rather them pay you in money. And I was like, no, no, food is good. I'm not complaining. Because they weren't back all the time. It's not like they always saw it, but sometimes on Saturdays, or on Sundays, me and my grandparents, you know, when they wouldn't have so much to eat, um, I'd just go grab what I had left, and then I would stash over at a friend's house, and I'd always give him some BS excuse. And it's funny because he didn't realize it until much later on what was going on. Like, what kind of excuse? Like, what do you mean? Oh, man, my fridge still isn't working, blah, 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 so on and so forth. We, we were kids, you know. He wasn't dwelling on whether the fridge was working or not. I mean, you tell that to anybody else who's like 16, 17 years old, you know, they might catch a thought about it. But, you know, I would just go throw food in the fridge and we'd run out and go play, you know, whatever the hell we were going to play that day. You may be wondering at this point, how long can this go on? Surely someone has to notice a kid walking up and taking extra food from the cafeteria, right? You mentioned that there was the one lunch lady that monitored um, the health bar. Let's call her Mary. Did you ever have any run-ins with her? Yeah, twice actually. The first time, she it felt like she was hinting at it, but I was really reluctant to talk about it. And so she just dropped it completely. But she always worked lunch A, B, and C. So the frequency in which she saw me, obviously it was abnormal, you know? I recall the first time she ran into me about it. Uh, she was going to her car and I was trying to skip off. And she was like, I know you're not trying to skip school in front of me. <laughs> so, you know, she was like, so what's up with you, you know, always being at lunch? And I was like, nah, man, you know, I just sometimes don't feel like going to class or whatever. And she didn't push it any further than that. And then um, the second time I ran into her is when she really pushed. But um, I think she got the gist of it when I just said that, you know, things just aren't so well at home. And then she dropped it. So I didn't realize that she completely knew that I was taking those lunches until I actually approached her about it after I graduated from middle school. Um, she didn't talk to me a third time about it until I came to her. I told her, you know, this is what I was doing. And she was like, yeah, I know. I was like, you know, why didn't you ever turn me in? And she was like, you know, life's hard. You're doing what you got to do. It's not like you're stealing, you know, clothes or anything else. You're taking food. She was like, that in itself is sad. And then she would ask me a bunch of questions about my grandparents. But my grandmother, she used to do this uh, under the table housekeeping. And they would pay her next to nothing. And my grandfather, he, he was working at a hotel. And they would pay him next to nothing because that was under the table for the longest time. A lot of that had to do with the fact that they could barely speak any English. So growing up, I would teach them English. Like, um, you know, the little books where they teach you words and so on and so forth in the first, second, and third grade and whatnot. <laughs> we used to do those together. It was The money was just never enough. So when it came to the lunch lady and I finally did get a chance to talk to her, you know, it's funny because... Outside of those two times that she tried to talk to me, she never made any noise about it. She never, she doesn't even look at me. Like, she knows I'm there. She'll glance at me, but um, she never made an attempt to stop. She never made an attempt to tell anybody. And I appreciate that because um, otherwise, yeah, I probably would have resorted to doing something else. And it's not to say that I wasn't involved in those kinds of things. Growing up, I was, uh, I was horrible. In school, I was good. 
but but outside of school, I was involved in a lot of things I shouldn't have been involved in. But I think that just those 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 few years in that school where she would just let these things slide, where I don't think anybody else would have done that, it made things easier. She helped out in her own way that she could. Definitely. After Ivan mentioned the food stealing to a close friend, and a not-so-close friend, a bad game of telephone later, the lunch lady ended up paying a price to help him. So she ended up having to move to a different school, you said? She didn't have to move to a different school. She chose to. She told me this because of the way that the faculty were treated after the fact. I understand why they did it. Like, I sometimes see people get outraged, like lunch lady gets fined because she's giving away free food. Like, she doesn't know what the person's allergic to or anything like that, you know? The school will be held accountable for it. It's all a game of liability. But um, I still think it's fucked up that that person went and did that. What happened after you left middle school? I stayed in high school until uh, the 11th grade, and then I dropped out of high school. Um, During that time, I was talking to her, and I was telling her how school is informed me. I'm not really academically capable. I'm not good at math. Uh, I'm really decent at reading, but that's only because because of the jobs that I've had. Computer work, network administration, I learned. Um, I was an uh, apprentice electrician for a while. So I chose around 11th grade to just stop doing that because I ended up getting a really lucky break. A network of mine, during that time, I would always keep in contact with this lady. She didn't retire from, from there until she was, I think it was like 57, 58. Most people retire in their 60s, and she was doing this real estate thing on the side. So sometimes she'd call me, and, you know, she didn't have to, but she'd call me, and uh, she'd, she'd tell me, you know, I need you to go install these cabinets here or do this or do that. That's kind of how our relationship really grew. So anytime she didn't have, like, enough money to, like, it was going over the budget or something like that, she would call me, and I would go help her out. And that was cut short. Um... I don't recall the reason why, and I don't actually, I don't even think she ever talked to me about it now that I think about it. After a while, she was just living at a house, doing her own thing. Would you go visit her, like, weekly? As much as I could. There was um, a good point in time in my life where I had to travel out of state for work, but um, I would call her every week, though, when I wasn't able to make it. Talk to her two, three hours. Do you still visit her? Yeah, definitely. Does it ever come up? Like middle school, or you guys have like grown beyond that? We grew beyond that. I, I had a bunch of other issues that she helped me out with. I grew up a drug addict, you know, after 11th grade. Um, you know, that's how that's how we, we got through 14-hour shifts was doing a bump of coke, you know. And then coke eventually went into heroin. And there was a lot of that stuff that she helped me out through. That's mainly what she reminds me of. You know, she always tells me, you know, you can't go back to that or you can't do this and you can't do the other. What would you say would be like the top things that you've learned from spending time with her and talking to her? Like, what do you feel like she's taught you? Patience. I'm the most impatient person you'll ever meet. Uh, Patience is the thing that she taught me. I've always wanted everything right now, you know, like like right then and there. And if I couldn't have it then and there, if this person wasn't giving it to me then and there, I'd go find a way to get it. And that got me in a lot of trouble. I always wanted to be an adult when I was young. I mean, I think a lot of that came from the fact that, you know, getting back home, I'd have to be kind of a parent to my brother and to my mother, you know. Because of that, when they would go to sleep, uh, I'd go do things in order to try to bring bread. Like sometimes I'd help out with bills, uh, Whatever the case could be, I hope my grandfather get his first car. It was 
just patience. I think it was. She always told me that things will eventually come. You know, that I got to work hard for things, that not everything happens at the drop of a dime, that some things take time to cultivate and grow. And that's what I needed to do with my life is just cultivate it, grow it, nourish it, you know, make something positive out of it instead of something negative. And do you feel like you've done that or at least made an effort toward it? I've done that. Who I am today and who I was, you know, even seven years ago, two very different people. Have you ever had an opportunity to, like, pay it forward, repay the kindness with, you know, something else? Have you ever had an experience where you got to do something like that? That's kind of funny. So uh, I went and bought this game at GameStop about three days ago, two days ago, right? And um, I have this thing for seeing fathers with their children because that's, that's kind of the gig around all of our, all of my friends. We all don't have fathers, you know? Our father figures were either grandparents or somebody else that we looked up to or even, you know, the mother taking that role. At this GameStop, this dude with his kid, um, he didn't have enough money to pick the game up for his kid, so I picked it up for him. I do everything I can to pay it for it, not because I believe in karma. I don't believe that, what, you know, what goes around comes around. I think that that's all a load of crap. Um, I think that when I die, that's really it, but because it makes me feel good in the moment. That's the best that I could do as to her personally. Um, I paid about $20,000 off of her house. Wow. That's the best that I could do. Is she appreciative? Oh, of course. She fights with me about it all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to pay you back, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to stop worrying about that. She never shuts up about it. Thank you for telling me your story. Hey, no problem. Fade to black as the curtains close. It's not exactly your typical coming-of-age story. And people can argue if Ivan is a hero or an anti-hero. And is there even a villain? But when the lights fade on our stories and we look back, sometimes what's right and what's wrong is less important than the characters themselves and the occasional act of kindness that gets us through the tough moments. The reasons or motivations for our actions? Those things get blurred. What's left is our own lines our own decisions, and those of others, that changed us and made us who we are. Ben. Dahlia. Guess what? What? By the time people are listening to this episode, I will be in Italy. O-M-G. Well, that's awesome. What's the first thing you're going to do? Well, we're going to fly into Milan and hopefully go shopping. Okay. That's a good thing to do in Milan. So I know something you can shop for. What? Uh, Sparkling water. Can you bring me some? Like hand carry it back. (laughs) Personally imported for Hampod. (laughs) Okay. I think we should probably tell our listeners the truth. That we're both addicted to sparkling water. It's true. Yeah. We share this um, compulsion. Is it? Does it qualify as a secret? Kind of. Yeah. It's a little embarrassing. Like... We'll actually bring each other back sparkling waters from places and sit down and compare them. And it's really dorky. (laughs) Now, where is that one you just got me one from? I hand carried personally for Dahlia Beta sparkling water from Thailand and from the United Arab Emirates. That's awesome. Yeah. And you're going to like it. (laughs) Thailand sparkling water really pops good stuff. I don't know that it makes a lot of sense for me to bring Italian sparkling water because we can get it here. It's like Pellegrino. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> That's true. 
Maybe you can find like an off-brand or something. I'll try to find an obscure one. In podcast news, we've been mentioned in a couple of blogs over the past few weeks. Uh, first up, Between Two Earbuds, Jesse, thank you so much for the coverage of our fabulous podcast. Yeah, and uh, also had a new contact through uh, the podcast subreddit on Reddit. Love that place. Dan from the Podcast Nerd, he wrote a really thorough review of our show, and he liked it, luckily. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice to see, so thanks a lot. Yeah, it's thepodcastnerd.com. So, Dahlia, when this podcast goes live, it's going to be International Podcast Day. And so, in honor of International Podcast Day, we wanted to give a shout out to our favorite podcasters. I found this new show. It's a fictional podcast, which I should mention, I despise fictional podcasts. No offense to okay. any of you out there, because they always trick me. I always think that this is like some real journalistic show. And then it ends up being fake, and I'm so mad. <laughs> but uh, this one is clearly fictional, and uh, they're just starting out, but it's like a dystopian sort of premise. It's called The Deep Vault. There's only three episodes so far, and I can't wait for more. And you can bet I'm re-listening to them on my plane. Okay. Oh, cool. Okay, I'll give it a try. The Deep Vault. Right now, I'm really excited about the return of Andrea Silenzi's podcast called Y.O.Y., we're not totally sure what she's going to do with her new iteration of the program, um, but her first one was brilliant. It was about the true and slightly fictional accounting of the love lives of her and her friends and a take on sort of millennial dating life. I loved it, and I'm really, really excited to see what she does with the, the um, reincarnation of her program. Everybody go listen to YOY. And did you have something you wanted to ask Andrea Salenzi? Wouldn't it be great if she came on our show and shared a secret? I think it'd be pretty cool. I think it would be awesome. So, Andrea, if you want to come on The Secret Room, share a secret, our door is open. Okay. We have one more to share. Uh, ben actually switched me on to these guys. Yeah. It's called Switched on Pop. Love this show. So basically, it's two guys, Nate Sloan and Charlie Harding. Nate Sloan is a musicologist. Charlie Harding is a singer-songwriter. And the podcast is about taking the popular music today, breaking it down, talking about what sorts of hooks they use to build their songs, the building blocks, what makes it a hit, and what gives it its place in its culture. It's pretty interesting. And they have a, a great time doing it. They're taking pop music, which a lot of people see as a lot of fluff, and handling it very seriously. And it's just sort of funny and serious at the same time. And it's, 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 it's great. So that's our shout-outs. Tweet us if you have any good shout-outs for podcasts, stuff you like that you think we might like to listen to, because it's podcast day! So there you go. Another show, The Secret You Know, and it didn't blow. And you're a poet and didn't even know it. <laughs> I never thought that I could come back from break, but here we are. And during this episode of The Secret Room, you heard music from Breakmaster Cylinder, of course. And you also heard a couple of great SoundCloud artists. Their names are Clay ID and Laser Crow. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks to our Street Secret team for giving us the secret at the top of the show. And in honor of International Podcast Day, we want you to share our show with your friends. It takes just a second. 
If you enjoy listening to The Secret Room, just, you know, uh, take your friend's phone and subscribe them real quick. Or maybe make a Twitter post with a link to our show. Or you could mention this little show you started listening to next time you're at some fancy dinner party. You know the kinds where people drink wine from the appropriate glasses and you have to find stuff to talk about at the table? I don't know, something like that. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at Secret Room Pod, and I'm at HamPod. I'm at Dahlia Beta. If you want to share a secret of your very own, submit it on our website, www.secretroompodcast.com. We do read all of them. And if we want to use your secret on the show, we'll email you back. Yeah, and um, not nearly enough people are taking advantage of our secret hotline. It's 929-265-TSRP. It's completely anonymous, and we don't even get your phone number to call you back, unless, of course, you provide it. We'd like to include some audio secrets on the show, too, so try it out if that's more your speed. Give us a call. However you found our show, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, something else, just take a minute, leave us a review, stars, whatever. It helps our show grow to new ears and new secret O-files. So everyone should subscribe. Uh, Ben, I think you're just like falling a little short on the new and subscribe job. (laughs) What? You want me to sing it? Well, I mean, I think you just need to do something. Okay, everyone. Subscribe. (laughs) And one more thing, Ben. Hot on, everybody. <laughs>